Hey there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast, where our goal is to equip you with the tools you need to ditch the prayer guilt, grow in your relationship with God, and pray like you and nobody else. Stay tuned for our latest episode after this quick word from our sponsor. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Hi there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. Today, I am thrilled to get to be here with Dr. Julie Slattery. Um, Dr. Slattery is the president and co-founder of Authentic Intimacy, a ministry that's dedicated to reclaiming God's design for sexuality. She's the host of the weekly podcast, Java with Julie. You definitely need to check that out. And she has authored or co-authored 12 books, including God, Sex, and Your Marriage, Rethinking Sexuality, and 25 Questions You're Afraid to Ask About Love, Sex, and Intimacy. I just can't wait to get into this topic. And Julie, thank you so much for being here. Just to talk about this subject that isn't often put out there, especially in Christian circles. Yeah, Jamie, thanks for having me. It takes courage to have a podcast episode on it too, so thank you. Well, and just a disclaimer for any of you listening with little ears around, we will be talking about intimacy and sexuality. Earbuds would be great, or maybe listen to this later when, you know, you don't have this, have it on the speaker in the car with the carpool. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, Julie, we love to ask our guests before we get into our topic, what is your favorite prayer closet? in quotes, where do you like Mm -hmm. to go to feel close to God? It could be off the wall. It could be a literal room, whatever. Yeah. I think, um, if you can, if people can see, this is my home office and I have two little leather chairs right there and this is my prayer closet too. So this is the first thing I usually will do in the morning is just get here, get on my knees, worship, pray, um, do my time with God reading and So this is my most normal prayer closet. I also love hiking. I love running and I love swimming because um, I just feel like I can really pray when I'm in motion. So that would be uh, something I also really love in terms of connecting with God. That's Mm -hmm. great. We hear that a lot about walking or being in nature, swimming. Mm -hmm. So I grew up, I was a swimmer throughout high school. Yeah. I didn't do it in college, but, um, but I love, I didn't even think about that. I don't think anyone's ever mentioned swimming. Even Bethany Hamilton didn't mention swimming or that's not her prayer closet, but swimming is you're you're immersed in the water. Mm -hmm. All your, it's almost like sensory deprivation. It is. I love that. That, That's a good thing. I haven't, I have not swum in many years. It's one of my favorites. Like um, my husband and I will go swim laps and obviously you can't talk you're together, but Mm -hmm. just the rhythm of the strokes and the water rushing and you're completely isolated from all distraction. So if I'm really stressed out, that's one of my favorite things to do is go get in a pool, swim laps and just pray. 
That's good. That might actually have inspired me to start swimming again. (laughs) If I can find a pool, (laughs) we're in Anchorage. that's a tricky thing. Yeah. yeah we I'm in Ohio, places, so. But you guys, yeah, you, you get your You can find summers. a gym. Yeah, we yeah. could find a gym. Yeah. Well, I want to get right into your message and just, can you just tell us a little bit about, um, there, there are several books that are just really relevant to the topic of sexual intimacy in a marriage. Our focus will be, what is the role of prayer in our sex lives as married yeah. women. We're going to be speaking specifically within the confines of marriage. So can you just kind of talk about that? What What is intimacy and how would you define what you do and who you serve with your ministry? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I've never been asked that question like that and I'm excited to answer it because people often ask me the question, how in the world did you get into this? Like, did you always want to be the Christian sex lady? <laughs> and Those who've known me for a long time would know that this would not be my career of choice. Uh, But the story of how I got to where I am really is a story of prayer. And so probably about 12 years ago, I really sensed the Lord calling me to seek his face more intimately. And I grew up in a Christian home, always had just a, a longing to serve God. But I would say... I was very good at serving and not good at knowing God. And at the time I was working at Focus on the Family. So I was in ministry, had written books, you know, very much a Christian and a faithful servant of God, but God was just calling me to seek his face. And so I began a journey of about a year of just being um, in a state of unrest and just having to spend time with God all the time. Anytime I had free time, just this desperation. And um, it was one of the most difficult seasons of my life, not because anything was happening externally, but because God was, was wrestling inside of me. And it was during that season that he burdened my heart to speak about sexuality. And, um, you know, I, I could go into details, but He literally supernaturally burdened my heart for this. And so I learned to know God intimately in a way that I didn't know was possible. And it's, it's just beautiful to me. Then, then he called me to speak about sexual intimacy and sexual wholeness, because I've really learned that the two go together in the scripture. We see that. And I've also seen that in ministry that you cannot separate Uh, intimacy with God from your understanding of sexuality. And when sexuality is broken, it has this profound effect on our aspect of understanding intimacy with God. And so when I get to see people healed sexually, I get to see them engaging with God in a way that is just profound. So the two go together way more than I think we ever could imagine. That's really good. And I think that answers the next question, which is why, why would God care about our sex lives? You know, and that, that totally answers it, that it's inextricable from just knowing God intimately, not to say that someone who's single and not having sexual intimacy can't know God that's, you know, but within a marriage, I could see where marriage is designed to reflect the union of Christ and the church and that 
intimate connection and we were designed to uh, display that in a way and and I could definitely see where that where that is lacking it would take away from that display to yeah the world and I, I honestly have learned that this is true for single women as well because it's not just having sex that is the metaphor of intimacy with God it's the whole journey of our sexuality Wow. So I, I have never heard anyone say that. I love that because I, what, what I don't like is when something that we're talking about totally, you know, pushes aside one group or another, but talk about that. I've never heard that. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're sexual people by God's design, whether you're single or married, part of your humanity is being a sexual person, which means being a gendered person, which means having hormones and, um, and genitalia and desires and longings, uh, not just physical longings, but longings to be intimately known. And so the journey of our sexuality in every stage can teach us something about the journey of the intimacy we we're meant to have with God. So as a single person, you have these longings that you know are at some level, good. Now they can be twisted and they are twisted by sin, but the longing to be known, the longing to be someone, someone, you know, the longing to be completely connected like that, that's a true human experience that says to us that you were not made to do life alone. And so here on earth, we have the fulfillment of that through marriage. We have the fulfillment of family type relationships through the body of Christ. But ultimately the message is you were not to made to do life without God, uh, without knowing God. And Psalm 139 is the Psalm of intimate knowing, you know, you have searched me, you have known me. Oh God, David talks about God's intimate knowledge of you. That word that he uses over and over again for no is the word yada. And that is the same word in the Hebrew that describes intimate knowing sexually between a husband and wife. And so what we need to understand is that even our desire, our longing for sex as a single person, our grief at not having that right now is pointing to the fact that we were made for this union with Christ that we don't yet fully have. And we see that again, reflected in the Bible of we are in the process of being, we're betrothed to Christ, but the wedding ceremony hasn't happened yet. And so Paul would say like all of creation is longing for the fulfillment of that. And so, you know, I think it's important for us to realize whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're widowed, whether you've been betrayed, uh, how much of the Old Testament uses the metaphor of sexual betrayal to help us understand God's heart for towards our unfaithfulness. Like it all has spiritual significance. And I think that's key to helping us make sense of our journey and even making sense of our pain. Oh, that is so good. Just a way to reframe the experiences that we have, the longings we feel into kind of a, a metaphor and an illustration that helps us focus, yeah. make God the focus, which has always been yeah. the point. That's... Um, yeah. That's, that's and, profound. And Jamie, like you use the word reframe, 
But the reality is it was always there. Like mm. God started with that metaphor. We just right. lost it. Right. It's really rediscovered. We made it selfish. We kind mm. of made it us centered, which is what we do, right? Yeah. Yeah. And here and now centered instead yeah. of this is really the story of God that is written in our in our very biology. That is good. Well, do you find that uh, it's hard for Christian women to reconcile our spirituality and this idea of what it means to be a good Christian girl with sexuality and how that looks? Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's it's really hard because most of us have spent a life separating the two. Yeah. Uh, whether it's through just secular culture that twists and distorts sex so much that we're like, there can't be anything good about that. Or, um, you know, a third of our, of our female listeners right now have experienced sexual trauma. Mm -hmm. And so when you've experienced that type of violation, even the suggestion that there could be something good or holy about sexuality uh, is a huge thing to try to wrestle with and why was it so why was it used to hurt me so so devastatingly mm -hmm. uh, and then I think even unfortunately a lot of the ways that we've grown up in the church have separated God and sex even through the silence and um, you can go to church for decades and never hear the word sex spoken out loud um, you can go to church for decades and never have anyone speak directly into your sexual shame. Um, talk about the abortion, talk about um, pornography use. And so when we have experiences over decades where church is the place we go to learn about God and they never talk about sex, well then apparently God has nothing to say about my sexuality. And if he does, he's mad at me. Um, and so uh, I think there's a lot of reparative work that we need to be doing and saying that a lot of our church traditions are not biblical because the Bible wasn't shy at all about talking about every aspect of our sexuality. Yeah, I listened to you talk about, um, so this is a good place to mention actually, on your website, um, can you, what is your website? Can you tell people? Yeah, sure. It's authenticnmc.com. So at AuthenticNMC.com, you have this incredible list of frequently asked questions if you go to your menu and you have videos and blog posts and all different things that you can click on for each of these things. And in one of them, you just, you went into the Song of Solomon and just very beautifully, and I'll say a little uncomfortably for, <laughs> you know, just the typical Christian girl to sit there and, and listen to, oh, wow these things are metaphors for very non-metaphor things, for yeah. body parts, for uh, expressions of love within yeah. married intimacy. And so it's, um, can you talk about that? Just about how the Bible addresses sex very clearly and yeah. not shyly. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, I was that shy Christian girl too. So I get it. Um, this, this hasn't come easy for me, Jamie. Like I think over time, when every day you're studying this and speaking on it, you you become comfortable with it. 
but I certainly wasn't in the beginning. So yeah. But you do it so, so well. I it's just watching you at I think you were at a conference or something and they were pulling out questions out of a box and yeah. you just do it with such ease and humor and it just is so needed. I just can't thank you enough for being a person that's willing to step out there and I'm sure be out of your comfort zone sometimes, but just to say the things that need to be said to make all of mm -hmm. us kind of to end that stigma that talking about sex as Christian women is taboo or that is wrong because yeah. it's not. Well, oh, thanks. And like I said, it really comes through prayer. So, uh, so I don't get the credit. I just show up. <laughs> but, yeah. I, I, I think when we look at the scripture, when we'll start with Song of Solomon. Um, Song of Solomon, what I've actually learned is that our English translations have even toned down some of the language because we were too embarrassed to put what it actually said in the Hebrew. Um, and boy, when you just even take a step back and you think, okay, there are 66 books in our Christian Bible canon, and there's this one book, Song of Solomon, that is the only book out of the 66 that is just about a human relationship. Every other book has to do with our relationship with God. Uh, and yes, we can say Song of Solomon is also metaphorically, like I've mentioned, of our intimacy with God, but it's also meant to be read literally. And it's not, uh, God could have inspired a book about the parent-child relationship or about friendship. He didn't do that. He didn't even just inspire a book about marriage. He inspired a book about sexual pleasure and intimacy in marriage, which is you got to step back and say, all right, what does that in and of itself tell us? And, um, and when you study the language and the metaphors that are used throughout the book, it is written in such a way that if you don't know what it's talking about, you... You could be like, oh, okay, this is just poetry. But if you know what these things represent, it'll make you blush. Uh, and, you know, when I, the first time I really started to study that, um, my mentor, Linda Dillo, really challenged me to not just read the Song of Solomon like I always had, but to understand what the messages were within it. The one thing that I noticed was the wife pursued pleasure and sexual intimacy. Uh, she fantasizes about her husband's naked body. She plans uh, a sexual escapade in a vineyard. Uh, she is expressing desire of wanting to be sexually with him and being aroused with him and by him. And at that point in my marriage, and I was a clinical psychologist writing books on marriage, but honestly, at that point in my marriage, I didn't feel freedom to really enjoy sex within my marriage. Like I just had a lot of baggage that I'd never really dealt with. And reading Song of Solomon that way and seeing the wife in Song of Solomon really convicted me because I think as a Christian woman, woman we're told every Mother's Day to be like the Proverbs 31 woman. Like we're told to work hard and buy and sow the field and all these things that we're striving to do. And that's a whole nother conversation. But I had never really had anyone challenge me to be a Song of Solomon woman, mm -hmm. um, to enjoy this beautiful gift that God has given me and my husband to, to address the barriers and to say to the enemy, you have no place in our bedroom. Like you have no 
you have no place in stealing our joy. And at that point, I'd probably been married for 15 years and had just endured kind of a, a ho-hum aspect of sexuality. And reading Song of Solomon with that light, like really convicted me that this, I need to change my perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And you bring up a really good point because when we think of Satan invading our bedroom, we think of pornography, infidelity, promiscuity or fornication or, you know, whatever, but we don't name it as lack of sexual intimacy and freedom with our spouse. We've, uh, that's not something I hear very often. And so that's so important to recognize it for what it is. If you struggle with intimacy, it's an attack from Satan on your marriage. And I think that kind of puts it in a little bit more of an urgent light than maybe we like to think of it sometimes. Yeah, Jamie, I think that's so true. When we look at our culture, we're rightfully disturbed about what we see happening in the sexual realm. But what God convicted me of was there's only one territory that I get to have authority over, and that's the territory of my own heart. And to the extent that I allow lies to live in my heart and wounds to go unaddressed, like I'm just being complicit with the enemy. Mm. Um, and so that really encouraged me, like part of fighting for God's kingdom to come is fighting for it in my own heart and in my own marriage. Well, in talking to Christian women about their sex lives, what would you say is like are some of the really most common struggles that Christian women have? Yeah, they're some of the, some of the most common. And, you know, I feel like one author said men are like waffles, women are like spaghetti. I think Bill and Pam Farrell wrote a book called that. And what they're really saying is that men can compartmentalize things. Mm. And I don't, I think men view the word world compartmentalized. I think they're more integrated than they realize. But if a man is looking for help, he is going to say, here is my problem. I can't stop looking at pornography. And that's the number one problem men will seek help for. For women, it is spaghetti. And so it's all these different things that are connected. And very few women will say, I've got one problem related to sex. They'll say, all right, the presenting issue is I can't enjoy sex, but when we dig deeper, it's body image, it's shame from the past, it's lack of trust. Maybe it's trauma um, that they've experienced. Uh, it's, it's, I can't enjoy, I can't get in the mood. I don't, I think sex is dirty. And so, you know, all those threads are the things that I hear over and over and over again. But again, I think we find with women, like all those things can tend to be very connected. So, um, so women look at pornography, they struggle with that as well. And then they feel like, what do I think about when I'm with my husband? I don't want to have lustful thoughts or women get pulled into romantic fantasies through novels and then sex doesn't end up being at all what they were taught it would be through romance movies and novels and pornography. So it's really hard to, to boil it down. And our approach in what we do at Authentic Intimacy is we don't have a problem-solving approach. We don't have a, if you're, you can't stop looking at porn, do this. 
or if you can't enjoy sex in your marriage, do this. Instead, what I really believe helps is viewing sexuality as a territory that we need to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And we need um, to really understand God's heart for sexuality. We need to be in a posture of addressing wounds when the Holy Spirit brings those up. And so I, I think the problems are more multifaceted than we realize. And the solution really has to be as broad as the problems. Yeah, well, and that leads to the next question. What is a first step for a woman struggling in this area? Like if she's just like, I don't even know, I don't know, I can't pinpoint the problem, which is probably common because of, yeah. you know, the, the fact that it's not just one thing. Um, what's a first step? Yeah, you know, I, I really think a first step is coming out of the darkness with it because mm. sex is such a vulnerable topic and because we don't talk about it you really think you're the only one yeah you you look at all these other people and you think they have it together um you think they have beautiful bodies that they're not insecure you think that they can't possibly be carrying the amount of sin or shame that you carry um you think that all these other married couples are having a great time in bed you know, one of the benefits that I have in being a psychologist is I get to hear people's secrets. And when I started hearing people's secrets, I realized that we all are carrying a, an incredible amount of sexual brokenness that we don't feel like we can speak out loud. And when you realize that everyone else that you're interacting with has similar struggles and, and questions, it gives you the courage to step out and uh, first to step out with God. And, um, you know, I, it sounds obvious because we know that we don't have any secrets from God, but I think sometimes we still act like we do. We feel like we're too ashamed to bring before God our need. And a lot of Christians that I talk to, I'll ask them if they ever pray about their sex life. And probably 90% of them say no. They say they've never thought to pray about it. Uh, most Christian couples never ha even once have prayed about their sex life together. And so, you know, I, I really think the first step is get out of hiding. The enemy wants to keep you isolated. He wants to keep this in secret. And so bring it before God. And then in James, it says, you know, confess your sins one to another and not just sins, but your struggles. And so the next step is confess it to one other person, a counselor, a trusted friend, um, a, a mentor. And I can almost guarantee you that that person is not going to recoil, not going to judge you. They'll probably say something like, thank you so much for trusting me with that. And actually I've struggled with similar things. Uh, and that, that really begins the journey of healing. Well, and I think that's just, you know, that's, that's kind of true for so many things is when it's in the dark, it's going to be, it's going to fester and it's going yeah. to cause more problems. So yeah, well, that's great. And I mean, we're huge proponents of accountability um, mm -hmm. and just finding a, finding a prayer partner, finding someone mm -hmm. to talk to and be honest about. And I imagine talking with your partner about what the challenges are because chances are 
he already knows, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it can be hard. What? When do you know? So there's definitely a time to grab a partner, talk to someone, pray about it, even talk to your husband um, about some of these problems. But what would you say, when do you know that it's time to get more help and to actually go to a counselor or a therapist or someone? Yeah, uh, a few a few things. In a marriage relationship, I would say if you're attempting to have conversations that you just don't feel like you can have, that is an indication you need to get help. So for example, let's say you're confronting pornography use. Let's say you discovered pornography on your husband's computer or phone and you bring it up, um, you feel angry, he feels defensive, he feels shame. You give it some time, you pray about it, you bring it up again and you just don't even know where to go next with it um, because, because it's, it's overwhelming to you and you feel triggered, you feel traumatized, you need some help. Even if you and your husband love each other deeply and you're committed to healing, there are going to be aspects of this process that you need some wisdom for. For example, how much does he share with you? Should you be his primary accountability partner? How do you know if there's an addiction involved? Uh, how do you get past the fear of, is he looking at it again? Like you, you cannot do those things on your own and you can get that kind of help through a trained counselor, um, through a mentoring couple who understands this kind of struggle, uh, supplemented with books and podcasts and other resources that give you steps along the journey. So, so again, a marriage issue where you try to talk about it, but you just get to a place where it's always ending in conflict or you feel stuck. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Uh, a second thing is if you've experienced trauma, sexual trauma in your past. The more we understand about trauma as our neuro neuro neurological expertise becomes more sophisticated and we can look at the brain, trauma changes the brain. And uh, which means you can't attach, you can't experience intimacy. There are limits on what you can enjoy even physically sometimes because of trauma. And we know so much more, not only about what, what trauma does to the brain and the body, but also what it looks like to heal and what's necessary for healing. And so if you or your spouse has sexual trauma in your past, if you're single and you have sexual trauma in your past, don't wait until you get married. Uh, the enemy camps in trauma. He tells you lies there. He keeps you bound in fear and you, you need to get set free. And so uh, that is a situation where you're going to want to seek help from somebody who understands trauma can walk you through some of that. And then, you know, I'm a big proponent of reaching out for help. Sometimes we just put up with things without addressing them. And I would say that is true in my marriage. So one of the reasons that I really wasn't too excited about sexuality was because it was physically painful for me. 
-hmm. from the time we got married all the way 15 years into the marriage. And I just kind of put up with it and said, well, I guess this isn't going to be great for us, for me at least. And looking back, like if I had allergies for 15 years, I would seek help. <laughs> you know, I'd be like, I'm tired of having a runny nose and itchy eyes. Who can help me? And I don't know why it is with sexual struggles and pain. We just put up with it. I, probably because of embarrassment or we don't know where to go for help. But just like with any other part of functioning, you know, we live, thank God, in a culture where there's help available and um, there's expertise available. When needed, there's medication available. And so uh, if there's something where you're just like, our, our sex life isn't what it should be, then that's an indication that uh, we want full healing. We want the freedom that God created sex to be about. And so we want to seek that kind of help. Yeah. And you have so many great resources on your website um, at authenticintimacy.com that definitely people should check that out for just articles and videos and your podcast and, you know, just you definitely have put a lot of really great things out there that address a lot of the questions that I think, you know, a lot of people would be reluctant to maybe even talk to someone about it first before mm -hmm. finding out a little bit more. So I think that's great that you have those things also. Yeah. Well, you, it's, you know, it's hard to find resources that you know are safe. Right. So from a Christian Google, perspective and from yeah. a, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can Google anything nowadays and you don't know what you're going to get. Um, oh, right. Some so, of the, yeah. Just even yeah. some of the words that you'd type in the search mm -hmm. engine. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, come up with some questionable stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you bring up a really good point too. And, you know, I want to kind of go into that. You talk about um, just sometimes some of the issues could just be hormonal or medication fixable. You know, there are yep. lots of emotional and, and spiritual hangups, but it could be at times that it's a simple, not simple, but that it's simply a medical issue or hormonal issue. So um, you've spoken about sex middle age and beyond through menopause mm -hmm. and what to expect. And I would love for you to just touch on that because, you know, I, in one of your interviews, you spoke about some of your own struggles and just very candidly that, you know, you were able to overcome some of them through a doctor's visit. So could you mm -hmm. talk about that? What happens in middle age and beyond with perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause, and beyond? Yeah. yeah, you know, there are physical changes in the body that happen for both men and women as we age. And for women, it is menopause where estrogen begins drying up uh, and you have significant changes. We know about the hot flashes and night sweats, but um, but you stop in many cases um, lubricating in your vagina. And so sex can become irritating or painful. Some women feel like they completely lose their sexual desire. Um, so, uh, you know, they're like, I woke up one day and my desire was gone. It's just gone. Uh, for men, the lower levels of testosterone and other just aging impacts and um, medication you might be taking as you age can interfere with uh, with sexual performance and desire. 
And yes, these things start out as just physical, but they don't stay as just physical for most couples because mm -hmm. what happens is they don't know how to talk about it. And then they become ashamed or embarrassed, or they feel bad that they can't engage sexually like they used to be able to. And they don't negotiate and talk through, okay, what is what does sexual intimacy look like for us in this stage of life? There are some things we maybe can't do that we used to be able to do, but what can we do? And what are the advantages of being older and having built a foundation of trust? And we have a storehouse of memories uh, that we've made over the years sexually that just we share together. And, and so um, it's really important that physical issues don't become relational and emotional issues and even spiritual issues, which I've seen happen. Um, but you, you bring up the point that we do need to seek help. And um, unfortunately, there are very few OBGYNs that are even trained in helping you get through menopause. And they'll say, yep, you're in menopause, but they, they'll be like, okay, well, you can use lubricant. And, but that's as much advice as a lot of them can give. Uh, so you may need to be more persistent in looking for somebody who really studies um, hormone therapy. What are the dangers of that? Uh, am I a good candidate for that? There's different applications of that. Um, you, if you have, if you have sexual pain, like I did, you know, I just was talking to an expert on this and he, he was saying that there's like 40 different things that can cause sexual pain. And it's so complicated to diagnose it, that the average woman has to go to 11 health professionals before she's accurately diagnosed. Wow. Yeah. So um, pelvic floor therapists, um, you know, again, people that specialize, not just in most of an OBGYN's training is in the actual delivering of babies, not in gynecology. Um, so you do have to be persistent in seeking help and I think the online world has made that easier because we can share information and there's coaching that can happen even virtually through, through Zoom and things like that. But it makes a big difference when you get the right kind of help. Well, you touched on the importance of incorporating prayer into all aspects of your marriage, including your sex life. But... I know a lot of women can just think, what? Talk, talk to God about my sex life? Like, what does that even look like? I mean, like, you know, especially yeah. someone who might be new to prayer or might be new to being a Christian, but also mm -hmm. for those of us that have been around for a while, you know, it yeah. could be intimidating. So what could that look like? And what advice do you have for mm -hmm. women to be able to become more comfortable inviting God into that aspect of their yeah. lives. Yeah. I feel like if you have barriers to that, it's helpful to read a Psalm like Psalm 139 and meditate on it. Because again, David is saying, you formed me hmm. in my mother's womb, you know, my innermost being. Um, so does that mean that God formed your genitals? I, I think we need to wrestle with that. Yes, he did. All right. He's seen me naked. You know, he's not ashamed of it. And where can I go from your presence? He said, if I, if I go down to Sheol, you are there. If I go to the ends of the earth, you are there. Okay. Does that, does that mean that God is present with us when we're having sex with our spouse? Yes. 
does it mean he's he's present with you if you look at pornography yes he's there there's nowhere we can hide from him uh does it mean that he was there even when you suffered that trauma and that's a hard one for people but the answer is yes and we have to grapple with that and uh you know i think because we don't grapple with it we exclude god from every aspect of our thinking around sexuality but he is the healer we cannot heal apart from him he is our strength to resist temptation he is our courage to face our fears and uh, and so i think meditating on a passage like psalm 139 and journaling through it is a good first start and then i think you can just start praying in very simple ways of god show me what it looks like to surrender my sexuality to you uh would you show me lies that i believe about sex i think for married couples um just to very simply even pray before sex god would you bless our time together uh show us what it looks like to enjoy this gift you've given after sex um you know just to pray in your heart or with your spouse thank you god for this good gift sometimes i'll pray silently during sex like god help me to be able to be fully present and enjoy this and my mind not to go places it shouldn't be going and um did i do that 10 15 years ago no i nobody ever told me to do that but as i've learned uh i've learned that he is my ever present help in the time of trouble any time he's he's where my eyes are focused and um he created sex he wants to redeem every aspect of our sexuality and to not have him there to have a do not enter sign means that the enemy has room to reign and so i think it's critical that that we we take the authority god has given us to call upon his name and ask for his help and his blessing Yeah. Well, and I love the way you encouraged us to include our husbands in that prayer time as well if they're willing. I'm sure you've got to have that discussion and see if that's something they're comfortable with. How would you recommend approaching that subject? Um Yeah, um I think there are a few different ways. One is to share resources and to learn together. So mm-hmm. this is a main way that my husband and I have done this is I don't I don't teach my husband like he does listen to my pro- podcast so he learns that way but we really learn together and so we make a practice um you know every few years of reading a Christian book on sex out loud together and we literally read the words out loud to each other because it helps us communicate and um and it it helps us get on the same page and so reading uh, a book like god sex in your marriage or listening to this podcast episode or another one that you might find or listening to a sermon series together is together saying what does it look like to have god involved in this aspect of our marriage and uh and so it doesn't feel like you're asking him for something or telling him what to do but you're together saying we desire this and i think there are times and i've done this with my husband where i've just said hey can we pray together first you know before we're intimate because sometimes i'll tell him why and sometimes i'll just say um it would help me if we pray and you know he's always been willing to do that because number one he wants our sex- 
sexual life to be one that's good. And number two, he loves me. And if he knows that's going to help me, he wants to do that. So I don't think it has to be this elaborate thing. I think it's just sometimes we just have to have the courage to bring it up. Yeah, absolutely. I love that how you said that you read it out loud. Do you, and do you feel like there's something different about saying the words? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it just when they're describing like parts of our anatomy. Right. Like sometimes we've never said these words or yeah. we've never said them. I can totally words. see that. I'm thinking back like, yeah, probably not. Yeah. And so if you can read someone else saying it, it feels less vulnerable, but you're also practicing putting those words in your vocabulary. Yeah, that is good. Well, I, um, I know I keep referencing interviews that I listened to, but I was just fascinated with all of the resources you had. And, and I, I saw one interview on Focus on the Family and you were asked for advice from just women whose disappointment with their husbands or just disappointment in marriage, kind of the like, this wasn't what I thought it was going to be syndrome, um, is a barrier to intimacy with them. And you made this statement and it totally blew my mind. You said disappointment is actually the way to intimacy. I mean, it can not only you can you you can not only jump over that hurdle, but actually it helps like it's a it's a way to mm -hmm. get to intimacy. And I thought that was so good. Can you share for that woman listening who's disappointed and is just like, I can't get past this disappointment with my husband mm -hmm. or with how marriage has turned out? Yeah. and what she can do with that. Yeah. And this is not at all to disparage the level of disappointment that some people have experienced and are experiencing. Um, you know, there, there are just gut wrenching stories of betrayal and brokenness and, um, and we have to grapple with that. But I would say that we don't really know that we love until we're disappointed. Because until I'm disappointed, I can love my spouse in such a way that costs me nothing. Uh, because he's being the person I want him to be. He's doing the things I want him to do. And essentially, my love for him is self-love. Because you make me feel good. You're, you fulfill my fantasy. You fulfill my every desire. But the moment I become disappointed in marriage or in sex or in my husband, now I have to, my love is tested. Do I still pursue? Do I still uh, work on this? Do I still put my hope in, in this? Do I still believe in my husband in spite of the fact that I've been hurt, I've been disappointed? Um, and so I don't even think it's a natural byproduct that intimacy grows. I think intimacy can't grow until we're disappointed um, because I need to know as a wife that my husband loves me, not just because I fulfill him. Like, I need to know that, like, I remember early in our marriage, sometimes I'd ask him these random questions, like, would you still love me if I gained 50 pounds? You know, like, would you still love me if I got in a car accident and I was disabled? Now, why would I ask him those questions? Because at our heart, we're insecure that if I stop being and I stop performing, then he'll leave. And our husbands have similar insecurities. And so 
through disappointment, when we can develop the kind of character and love that proves to one another that I'm not going anywhere, like that's when, that's when true intimacy happens. And that's when we begin to have the kind of love for each other that God has for us. Yeah, no, that's, that is so, so important. Such an important concept to grasp because I, I think it's the same, um, I don't know, just the idea of flipping the script on disappointment and instead of looking at it as a justification for pulling away, looking at it as an opportunity to pursue deeper love and, mm -hmm. and to move forward. Not to say, like you said, that it's it, not to say that it's always easy, not to say that you don't sometimes need extra help from a counselor or a therapist, but that it's... Uh, and to see it as an opportunity, I think, is really empowering. Mm -hmm. So if you could pick just one thing, like one step that the average woman out there uh, could take today to improve intimacy in her marriage, what would you say? Mm. I think I would say, again, going back to understanding the purpose of intimacy, mm and sex and marriage is you really have to understand covenant. So people growing up, you hear safe sex for marriage from the church and nobody explains why, but marriage is the only relationship that we have here on earth. That's a covenant and a covenant means it's a relationship based on a promise. Uh, it's a relationship based on faithfulness. And with every covenant we see in the Bible, there is something that you do to remember that covenant and to celebrate that covenant. So in the Old Testament, there was circumcision, there was the sacrificial system. In the New Testament, baptism, communion, like even with communion, the words Jesus used was he was saying in some way, when you take the body and the bread, you are taking me into yourself. And he actually uses this word koinonia, which means intimate fellowship. You are having intimate fellowship with me. It's remembering, it's spiritual. It's remembering this significant covenant that I have with you. And so God created sex to be this remembering of our covenant in marriage, that we have a physical way of doing with our bodies what we've promised to do with our whole lives. And when I started to really realize that it gave a purpose to sex that I never knew before. And what, what I think was so important, it helped me realize that even when sex is bad, it is relationally and spiritually significant. Hmm. Uh, and boy, there's a whole lot to it, even just in the chemistry of sexuality and how God created it to be a bonding and a glue. But we underrate it so much because we've been told only to focus on compatibility and pleasure. Mm -hmm. And we miss the fact that we're doing something very significant, even during seasons where it's not super fun or pleasurable. So if there was one thing, that would probably be it. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here and sharing all of that. Um, can you just share once again with our listeners where they can find you online, find your books, your podcast, and connect with you on social media? Where do you like to hang out? Sure. Yeah. I 
you know, the easiest way to find us is to go to authenticintimacy.com because okay. we have links to everything there. You can find the books, the podcasts, the online book studies, the events, all that stuff. So that's kind of the hub. All right. And your podcast is called Java with Julie, J-U-L-I. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to check that out. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. This has been um, this has been amazing. I think it's such – we've never had – a discussion on this topic and I'm excited to get it out there because I know it's so important. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity. Yeah. Well, how can we pray for you today? I'm going to close this up in prayer. What can we pray about for you? Yeah, we are uh, in the middle of our busy travel and speaking season. So Mm. I have a lot of speaking coming up in the next month. And so just praying for God to give the unique message for each um, event and that I don't get COVID and, you know, just all that, that stuff, but just for God's mercies and his work over this next month of ministry. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for this time. Thank you for Julie, just for giving her the courage to step out into what is probably sometimes an uncomfortable, out of the comfort zone conversation about things that we don't talk about that much in our Christian circles. Um, We just pray that you would continue to bless her, continue to allow her to begin this kind of revolution in the the area of sexuality and being able to discuss it more openly and freely as Christian women. We just pray that you would continue to open doors for her books to get out to as many people as possible for her podcast, um, just for her speaking, and that her entire ministry would just be anointed and blessed by you. God, we just pray for this upcoming busy season and just pray for physical protection, that you would allow her to be protected from illness and keep her energy up and just continue to give her that pouring in of your Holy Spirit. Just allow her to know when she needs to stop and be filled so that she can have that pouring out and give her fresh words and enthusiasm for each conversation that she has with people for each speaking engagement or book signing or whatever it is that she's doing and just allow her to bless and inspire women and just equip them with information that will help their marriages to just be transformed God we just pray that through her message there would be um, saved marriages that there would be resurrected marriages that there would be salvations and that you would be glorified in every aspect of this ministry that you have called her to and equipped her for in jesus name and we also just pray for her marriage god we pray that you would protect them from the enemy that you would bind them close together and just continue to help them to draw closer to each other even with busyness and um you know just even as as things get busy that you would allow them to maintain their connection as they draw closer to you that they would continue to draw closer to each other amen Amen. thank you thanks for joining us on today's episode of the praying christian women podcast we'd love to hear from you so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show. 
and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.